This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 387 for Thursday, January 25th, 2024. And a special treat for my listeners this week. I know you guys have been emailing me and DMing me and all kinds of stuff, clamoring for this next guest to be back on the show. And I don't blame you. She's always a fantastic guest. She's a blast to talk to. And you and I both, my listeners and I both like to keep up with what she's doing because she's always doing some exciting stuff. And she is one busy, busy, busy lady. So today, after about an 18-month hiatus because of our schedules and mostly her schedule. Uh, we are welcoming back to the studio the lovely and talented Ellie Cat. Ellie, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. That's quite the introduction, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I said before, you're the triple threat because you're, uh, you're an educated geologist, you're a model, and you're an actress, so you're a triple threat. You're beautiful and smart and for the guys out there, you're going to be heartbroken. Yes, she is married now, so she is taken. <laughs> that is right. It was official last May. Yep, absolutely. So how, how has married life been so far? Really good? Pretty much the same as it was the past six years. <laughs> Just official now, huh? Just a piece Just of paper official. and a hyphen in your name. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And you know what the funny thing is, is people were like, uh, so... Why'd you get married? And I just kind of look at them like, excuse me? They're like, well, what's the benefit? I was like, so that we can be married and like share that with the world. They're like, well, so you guys are already living together. You've already been dating. You've already all of these things. Like, what's the benefit? I said, to have it made public in front of our friends and family and to have just a beautiful wedding. And it's really funny that people were so skeptical. I can't even tell you how many people were like, oh, you got married. Um, so you've already been with the guy. You've already this and that. It's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what the deal is. But yes, we got married. We you know, expressed our love together. We had beautiful pictures and a beautiful ceremony. And it was awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, the hardest part about all of that was the stress the day before. Oh, like I can imagine. The pain, right? Like all the stuff going into it the day before, cause it hailed and it rained and like, we couldn't set up anything at all. And so even the morning of they're like, okay, like everybody's telling me it's supposed to rain. It's supposed to rain. It's supposed to rain. I was like, do you not know that you're not supposed to stress the bride out that much? Like, just don't mention the R word again, just for the rest of the day. And so we st we're like, oh yeah, no, it's not raining. It's not raining. So we set up tables. We set up the chairs. We started to bring out the tablecloths and stuff. As soon as we put the tablecloths on the damn tables, it starts to rain. And I'm like, oh boy, we're screwed. So I'm just sitting there crying. My best friend is there. She's patting me on the back. She's making our margaritas because she's awesome at it. And I'm like, oh, boy, I'm getting married in the rain. She's all, no, it's fine. It's going to be fine. It's okay. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. And then 
about noon, the sun came out, things started to dry up, and we had an amazing sunset, and it was gorgeous, and it was warm enough for everybody, you know, because I was worried about it being cold because it was in Prescott. And it just, it turned out amazing. And so everybody's like, oh, it's super lucky to have it rain on your wedding. I was like, have you been having a wedding when it's raining? Do you know how stressful that is? So I freaking hope it's good luck because it was a lot of stress. So, <laughs> but it was, it was beautiful. I'm, I'm so glad that we did it. That's good though. That's great. Yeah. And it is funny because, you know, some people are like that. Why did your father get married? You've been together forever. And it's funny because, um, our oldest son, Andrew, and his girlfriend, Amy, have been together, I think, 15 years. They have three kids. No desire to get married. We are like, we, we prod them all the time about it. So when are you guys getting married, you know, I'm ordained. I can do the ceremony. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> <laughs> like, nope, we're just going to keep living in sin. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny. funny. Oh, you know, um, uh, fun fact, we've had, you know, me and Dave Kelly on your show. Dave Kelly officiated the wedding. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, too. I didn't know he was ordained as well. That's cool. And and so that was that was pretty fun. He uh, it, it was awesome. He he even cried during the ceremony. Like everybody was pretty much crying during the ceremony. Uh, and so it was it was just really, really, really special, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've got to get Dave back on the show. I pinged him a couple of times, and he's all for it. And then things fall through the cracks because half the time I'm working two IT jobs right now. The company, oh, gosh. Well, the company that I was working for um, last year went out of business last year, Virgin Orbit, the, the satellite launch company. And oh. so we all got the axe, and they sold the company off in parts in a bankruptcy sale. And, and then I got contacted in October by one of the managers I had worked with there. Um, and he's like, Hey man, you want to do some freelance contractor work for Virgin? I'm like, what are you talking about? They're out of business. He's like, no, no, no. The parent company Virgin group. Cause you know, Richard Branson had all these different divisions uh, under Virgin group, you know, Virgin, uh, airlines virgin records virgin huh? cellular um he had uh virgin orbit and then he had virgin galactic and uh, sick. yeah all kinds of stuff going on so the people from virgin group aka the section i work with is virgin management usa brought me back as a contractor to retrieve some of the intellectual property software and rocket designs and all that stuff off the server so they could sell that stuff off to recoup some of the money that was lost when the company went under. So I've been doing work for them. Uh, last, wow. month, last month was really good because I made eight grand just working for them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a good month. 20 grand in total income that month. That was nice. <laughs> that is fantastic. See, I'm waiting for my YouTube to pick up and make that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, I know. It'd be so nice. I mean, geez, it'd be crazy to make, you know, 20 grand a month off a YouTube channel. That'd be, it's like, I always say, I'm not looking to become a YouTube millionaire. I'd be happy if I could pull in like an extra hundred grand a year off YouTube. Right. <laughs> and I'd be thrilled, you know, on top of my day job, I'd be tickled to death. <laughs> okay. So now the last time you were on, we got to talk about the show that you had just done for the weather channel, which was frozen gold. And I freaking, I love that show. I was so ticked off that they didn't get picked up for another season. Cause I was really enjoying it. Um, so what, uh, what did you go to after frozen gold rap? Cause I know you've done a whole bunch of other film projects and stuff like that. So let's talk about some of that stuff now. 
Oh, man. So, yeah, you know, for Frozen Gold, I wish they would have repicked it up. I think that they just realized that the cost of filming in Greenland was really expensive. Um, they had based it off of some other numbers, and I think that that finally, you know, was the the final straw there. I had a blast. I still very much intend to go back even to just hang out with the people that I met there. Uh, they're absolutely wonderful. Like I love the country, uh, it's, you know, or Island, I should say it's amazing. And, you know, just the, the minerals themselves would be awesome just to go look at without having the stress of, having to go to different locations based on, you know, your, your camera schedule and your busy schedule. But after I got back and that aired, I actually got a lot of, um, hate from it. Um, there were, you know, hashtags that were team Ellie, that people that were really for me. And then there were, you know, a, we want Ellie band, get her off the show. Like they, they made me out in the entire series to be this horrible villainous character. And, um, but people that, that knew me or people that watched the show fully could see that I was doing my job and I was being like villainized by these little small people that were on it. Um, the best person I have to still say, you know, that was on the show with me um, besides the crew themselves was Ray, uh, old Alaskan dude. He's awesome. We still chat. Uh, which is really cool. I last spoke to him for Christmas, actually. Said Merry Christmas and how he was doing, and he's doing all kinds of stuff, so it was really cool. But for me, what I went on and was doing kind of after the show, um, I really ramped up all of the work on my YouTube channel, and I post weekly on there for like full length videos. And then every day I post, you know, the short videos and that kind of stuff of what I'm doing or finding things. And on um what was it it was just before midnight new year's eve i hit 30,000 followers or subscribers so that was amazing and then you know now it's kind of uh slowing down it kind of has like an ebb and flow just based on what i'm posting but i'm at 32,000 subscribers and i thank each and every one of those people for that because i couldn't make those videos without them watching it so it's very encouraging and i would say that's my actual uh it's the most growth of any like social media platform that I have. So that's also pretty exciting. Yeah. That's but totally on top cool. Of, yeah. I'm, I was, I, I love it. It's, you know, people are like, that's the hardest, uh, social media to grow on is YouTube. And it seems to be growing better than any of my other social medias. So at least I'm doing something correct. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to keep doing it because people seem to like it. So I'm thrilled with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I and uh, it's funny because when you and I first really started doing our channels, because I had had mine longer than you, I just hadn't done with anything with it in a long time. Uh -huh. And then when I really started ramping up about the same time you did, we stayed neck and neck and subscribers until we hit yeah. like 6,000. And then you were like gone like a rocket. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like, man, she's killing me now. And, and the thing is, because I don't want listeners to get the wrong idea because i know people think this in the back of their heads i can tell you right now from what i've seen just from looking uh, searching on youtube i think one of the reasons why your channel is so popular is because you're doing the geology stuff the science i did not find a whole lot in the way of geology stuff on youtube so you've kind of got your own little niche with your your geology and what you call i think rock hounding or something like that yeah and then yeah. of course you've 
got a fabulous personality and I know a certain percentage of it is because you're a very attractive woman, but I think, no, no, no. Um, like, well, let, let me give you an example. Um, there's a, there's a photographer friend of mine who's on YouTube. She's been on there for a long time. She calls herself the snap chick. Her real name is Lee. And, um, and she, she got, she grew up, uh, blew up on YouTube to an extent, but then she, she got to like 250 or 280,000 subs and she's never gone any higher. And she's yeah. been on there as long as Jared Poland. She's been on there for like 12, 15 years. And I know the biggest reason why, and I'm not saying this to be mean to her, and she even knows it. She'll say it too when I've talked to her, is her channel initially blew up because she was a beautiful young lady and she did a lot of boudoir shoots of herself. Oh, and, wow. and put that stuff on her channel so yeah. that's what made her channel really take off but then you know when you got past all of the guys that subscribed just because she was a hot chick you know and she was yeah. naked in a bathtub with nothing nothing but soap bubbles over her when that that aspect of it wore off her channel has stagnated even though she and her husband do phenomenal photography videos camera reviews lens reviews they go out on wow. hikes around utah you know they do a lot of this a similar stuff that you do with your ellie knows rocks channel you know getting out there and going places mm -hmm. but her channel hasn't really grown much at all since her initial start when she just shot up really quick to like 250 300 subscribers and then she like hit a wall and she hasn't gotten any more since then and it's bad and it's sad because her and her husband do fabulous photography content but so i i wanted to make sure i made that point because i've been looking at your channel and youtube as a whole and i sincerely believe that your success is because you're doing geology because people love science you always will find an audience of science nerds for any kind of science whether it's biology chemistry nuclear physics geology astro astronomy anything it doesn't matter there's always going to be a decent audience for sciences and the fact that you make your videos so fun you're so energetic and you just get out there and have a good time so i sincerely believe that's why your channel took off as well as it has and i think it's going to keep going pretty steadily as far as just subscribers and your watch your viewers well, we are definitely manifesting that. And I so appreciate you saying all of that. I, I really do. Like I, I've been told by so, so many people. In fact, I have a story on my, um, on my YouTube channel about, you know, a, a horrible thing that I went through kind of in college where people were like, oh, well, she's pretty, so she must be stupid. And I, I don't mean this to sound, you know, derogatory in any regard to anybody who is smart or pretty or not or whatever. And, and I also don't want to sound like this stuck up person, but there, I look in the mirror and I think that I don't look too bad. And I worked really hard to, you know, I guess, look the way that I do. And so I don't, want people judging me that, you know, oh, well, she's pretty, so she must be stupid. And I, I think that you can have the best of both worlds. It just depends on what you look at. And if people want to think that, you know, just because I have a pretty face that I, you know, might be an idiot, that it's, it's their loss. But I will go out and I will make the biggest fool of myself at, more than anybody else. So, and I don't care. And I, it doesn't bother me. And so I, run at things with enthusiasm and with fun and an open heart. And I'm hoping, you know, that people continue to see that 
And it's one of the biggest kind of compliments that I get and comments in a lot of my videos is that I'm so enthusiastic and I'm so excited over the things that I'm finding. And then, you know, people will say the things that are like, oh, you know, you're, you're beautiful and you're smart. This is awesome. And so all of those things are really encouraging. At the same time, it is a double-edged sword just in that regard um, of just being a woman in science with a big voice. And uh, although that I love it, there are those people that are just so opposed. And, you know, I kind of, I have to fight against that as so to speak, because there are some, some much bigger channels out there uh, that are, you know, rock based and um, finding things that they don't really have the science behind them. There are a couple bigger people out there. I don't remember uh, his name right off the bat, but he's a geologist and he has a channel and it's like, well, like, yeah, you kind of look like a Indiana Jones sort of a person, but I mean, they're, they're kind of boring or they're so extremely obnoxious that it's, I'm sure that's why people watch them is because they're obnoxious. But the things that they say, I'm like, that is not even remotely close to scientific, to the right type of geology, to like what they're saying. And then they're spewing this stuff. And I was like, oh man, this sucks. And I'm not going to go on their page and I'm not going to call them out or anything like that. But I will just try to on my own page or channel. Sorry, I get I say I use the term inter interchangeably, but on my channel, I try to have people absorb the science that I'm giving them in an easy to understand manner and be correct as I can be. And if I'm wrong, if I state something that's wrong and I misspoke or whatever, I'm the first person to admit it. Um, I'll be out in the field and be talking and hand waving and pointing at stuff. And then I'll go back home and I'll rewatch what I was saying and go, oops. Uh, yeah, that wasn't correct. And I will, you know, voice over myself to tell people that, hey, I was saying a bunch of stuff in the field that I didn't know what I was talking about. And, you know, sometimes you figure it out. And although that you don't always have all the answers in the field, you know, being educated through college also means that you can go find those answers and rely on sources and, and look things up in a way that, you know, a lot of people aren't thinking about. So I'm, I'm grateful for all of those aspects. And I do think that there is always an audience for science. People love it because people have the nature of wanting to learn things. Um, uh, for for a lot of people, that's that's how we grow. We start out learning, and we I believe that we finish our lives learning. And so, I think that it's a nice little bubble to be in that like scientific community. Absolutely, and and it's so sad that you know because humans are notorious for stereotyping groups of people, and it's just horrible. Because I yes. don't know how many times, and you're not the only modeling friend I have. I have quite a few. Um, you're just the only one that comes on the show because the others are like, I'm not interesting enough to come on your podcast. And uh, But I have a lot of, you know, I have uh, probably seven or eight friends that are models. And I I'm not talking supermodels. I'm talking, you know, mo models that work, you know, every week, you know, doing shoots mm -hmm. with photographers and stuff. And um, I've heard from so many people, not the models, but I've heard from so many other people. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, models, they're hot, but they're dumber in a box of rocks. And it's like, really? Do you have any idea how many models actually did modeling to put themselves like through med school or something like that? Because they can yes. make really good money as a model. So they were like, hey, while I'm young and beautiful, why not cash in and pay for my, you know, half a million dollar education at yes. the same time? 
I definitely wish that my modeling could have been more lucrative like that. I would have to say the the independent aspect of being a model isn't like the like the big paid photo shoots or huge campaigns or runway. That would have been awesome. But every time I tried to go into that, I was always told by somebody that I was too ugly, I wasn't thin enough, or I was too thin, or I didn't meet any of some form of requirement. So I was constantly shot down, but I refused to believe any of that. So I just went out and did the independent sector of modeling. And that's been, you know, successful for me. I love what I've done. I love the work that I do and I I'll continue to do it until people don't want to shoot me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. There's no such thing as you not being pretty enough to be a model. My wife still says you're absolutely stunning. Um, <laughs> and and it, it is crazy. And, you know, to be honest with your personality, I think you're better off going the route you went because yeah, you didn't become a supermodel multi-millionaire off Vogue and stuff like that. But you got to also look at the other side of the coin how many of those ladies end up with eating disorders and drug yes. addiction and alcoholism and all of that stuff i mean for a lot of those women unfortunately you know becoming a supermodel is a total train wreck for them it just destroys their lives you yeah. know uh, i mean they used to joke because i used to love to watch this sitcom in the 90s called just shoot me and it had da it had david spade and mm -hmm. it was all about a, a fashion magazine a fictitious one called blush and mm -hmm. um the the lady that was the fashion editor was a retired supermodel played by wendy malik you probably know her. She's been on a lot of TV shows yeah. and her character, Nina Van Horn. And they always, you know, poked fun at models, you know, in a, in a serious way, because she had been a model. And, you know, it's like, oh, she had one one time she was talking to Elliot, the photographer, because he was notorious for sleeping with all the models and photographing them. And in one of the episodes, he was talking about he had to hurry up and get home because he was meeting with or he had a date with Christy Turlington or something like that. And Nina goes, <laughs> oh, yeah, please. How long does it take to warm up a saltine? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, but for so many women in the industry, it's true. They they develop yeah. eating disorders, they become alcoholics, drug addicts, all just all kinds of crazy stuff. And yeah. uh, so, with your personality, I think maybe you were better off because then you didn't have those negative influences um, in that side of the industry. Sure, it would be great to make the millions of dollars a year, but do you really want the eating disorders and drug habit and all that stuff to go with it? <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, I've got enough baggage of my own with, you know, like self image issues that that's the last thing that I would need. You know what I mean? But the, see, that's the thing that kills me, Ellie. You should not have any self-image issues. You're a very beautiful woman. You work hard to keep yourself in great shape. I mean, all of my friends that have seen pictures of you, they're like, man, she's so pretty. And, and I'm like, yeah, and trust me, this girl works her butt off to stay in, you know, thin and gorgeous <laughs> like she is. She exercises all the time and against my violation of my personal religious beliefs you're mostly vegan i guess you do eat fish you said on uh, frozen gold but to me that's blasphemy you got to eat red meat and chicken <laughs> oh my god 
but I know, I know you work so hard to stay in shape and stay beautiful and you're doing a great job of it. So you should never feel self-conscious about your appearance. You're a very beautiful woman. Your husband, Dan is a very handsome guy. Um, when, when we first saw your, your wedding photo online and Tina pulled a copy of it and put it in our digital picture frame in our living room, she's like, they are such a beautiful couple. Oh, yeah. She loves you guys. Wedding photo. The two of you where he's standing behind you and you're in your dress and he's in his gray yeah. suit. She loves that shot. Oh, thank yep. you so much. It's one of her favorites. She's like, that is one beautiful couple. <laughs> okay. So now we've talked about your YouTube and frozen gold. So I know you've been doing movies as well, independent films. And so let's talk about them a little bit. Cause I know you were involved and let's start with the Westerns. Cause I know you were doing some Westerns uh, a while back. I think it was like a, it was a studio that uh, independent studio or something that was doing like 12 Westerns in 12 months or something like that. Yes. Um, I worked with Travis Mills. I actually worked with him on three of his Westerns and he is a fantastic director and writer. Um, I have had such a blast when I was working with him and I've been in contact with him over the past couple of weeks saying, Hey, now that you're back in the States, cause he was overseas shooting some stuff for a little bit. I was like, I, you know, let's do something together. Let's work together. And so we'll figure that out eventually. But yeah, I was in three of those films. Um, uh, Travis actually uh, was the first director and writer where I got to be like a leading lady, you know, in one of his films. Up to that point, I had only had supporting roles or, you know, lead roles in short films. And so that was, you know, an awesome like jump into, you know, the film industry after just, you know, basically being supporting her background. So that was really cool. And I can't wait to work with him again. We also did a, um, uh, like a brief interview about the 12 Westerns. Uh, he took, uh, he handpicked a bunch of people that he had worked with so that he could do like a documentary about making the 12 Westerns. And we went out to um, the Dragoon Mountains and on one side of them, I don't remember which side it is. Sometime I, I'm geographically challenged, so I don't know if it was north, south, east, west. But the the portion of it I had suggested to go and do my interview in was at Johnny Ringo's gravesite. And uh, since he's my great 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 uncle, I was like, this is a, like the perfect thing. This ties into the westerns. I've never visited it before, and I would like to go out there. So we went out there to do like a brief documentary. I haven't seen it yet. Um, just because, you know, takes time to edit those things and to get them out. But yeah, he's a wonderful person. I can't, I can't say enough good things. So that was really fun. Uh, after that, I started doing, you know, a lot more just, I guess, different independent things. Um, I was in a couple of plays in between that time and doing some other films. Um, I flew down to Texas to do a film and then I was in LA uh, a couple different times last year or not a year before last. And then um, last year as well, I was in L.A. and Las Vegas, uh, up in Colorado. And so I've been traveling a ton to do different films. Um, I think that 2022, I guess half of 2022, half of 23, um, I did a total of six feature films. And I'm very excited because two of them are actually being released this February. Uh, I have a like a red carpet sort of premiere on February 24th. And that's for a movie called Prove Your Love. 
and it's a faith-based film. Um, I get to play the lead character in it, uh, and it's um, by Burning Bull Productions. And we have a lot of, you know, uh, great actors. We have Gary Lee Vincent and Julie McCullough, and then Ocho and myself are the four lead actors. And it's going to be awesome to see uh, our hard work. You know, we uh, I think we shot it out in two weeks, and it was just every single day of nonstop, you know, 13, 14 hour days of us getting everything done. So I'm excited to see that. And then what I'm even more excited to see is a film that is being released on February 27th and it has a nationwide theatrical release. So it'll be in theaters everywhere. Uh, at least, you know, if the theater bought it because they don't buy every movie, but I mean, I'm just saying I'm uh, excited about that. It's called um, Camp Pleasant Lake and it's a thriller horror film. I play a supporting role in that. Um, I'm in a, you know, a bunch of different scenes, but I have a very specific scene um, with the lead actor, and it's uh, very highly anticipated for me. I have seen it myself. I can't like talk about it until like because the movie's about to be released. But I hope that it's well received, and I I hope that it's going to be like a really good jump and push for me, you know, in the acting community. And so that people can kind of see my, I guess, range and what I'm doing and that kind of thing. And then last year, uh, very, very exciting to have filmed a movie called um, Alien Storm. And it's, you know, the alien invasion, basically. It's, a, again, a horror film. And I am one of the lead characters. And it was written and directed by Adam Rath. And it's a Mahal Productions film. And we filmed all of that in Las Vegas. Uh, a little, a couple parts of it were filmed in LA. Um, it has uh, Kevin Sorbo. And my scene partner was actually Tom Arnold. Um, he gets to, or he is my love interest in the film. And so it's, uh, parts of it are hilarious. Um, working with Tom was awesome. And uh, like our last scene together, like once we were done, like he has to, it push me or, or, or do something not, not in a mean way, but uh, just try to make me go like underground basically. Uh, when we finished our scene and he's, everybody's like, you know, that's a wrap on Tom. Tom came up to me and he said, you're a good little actress. He said, keep it up. And he gave me like this really great hug. And I was like, yay, this is so cool. It was so exciting. And um, I said, can, can I please get a picture of you? And he's like, yeah. And so he'd been taking pictures with people during his time on set, I think he was only there for four days and I was his main partner to have scenes with. So, you know, scene partner for those four days, but I was watching him take pictures with everybody else and his mannerisms and that kind of thing. And when he took pictures with me during um, that last day, uh, his mannerisms were completely different. He like genuinely like gave me a hug. And it, it wasn't like putting on a show like he was with like a lot of the other people. At least that's what the photos look like. So maybe I'm just building myself up thinking that I'm special. But I still had such a great time. And it was such a high, uh, you know, that he left on and, you know, watching everything. So I can't wait to whenever that comes out. I have no idea. I haven't heard about it. 
But usually if films in the post-production phase like go silent, uh, it's a good thing because it means that someone's looking at them. Uh, they're kind of keeping it hush-hush until they can announce whoever purchased it or bought it or if it's going to come out in theaters or or what's going to happen with it. So I really think once that hits, that's going to be like really big for me. So that's it's very exciting. I mean, it's been a ton of different stuff. And the most uh, recent film that I'm actually still currently filming, um, we've been on a hiatus for the holidays, and then we'll start filming again in February. It's called The Case of Acacia Thatcher. And I'm one of the lead characters, and I'm kind of a, um, a mental patient. And I, I can't say, like, you know, too terrible much about the film, but, um, you know, basically she's made up everything in her head, uh, and she believes it. And so it's, but it's, it's crazy. It's a role that I've wanted to take on. It's extremely dramatic. It's not a horror film. It's very in depth. It's very deep. It's, um, it's more like a film noir drama. So oh, that'll cool. be, yeah. So that's exciting. So I have like so many little projects out there. Um, and in between doing all of that, I have to find time to edit my YouTube videos <laughs> and then go film them out in the field and figure out new things to go do. And the one thing that's really becoming difficult about that is I have to be traveling now much further away than my local area in Arizona to you know get good content. And that's hours and hours and hours away. And so it's, you know, that takes up a good week to week chunk of your time to go plan to go to camp to do the stuff and then come back and then find the time to do all of that and it's a huge juggling game right now and so it's it can be exhausting and so and then throw in any of that with if I'm going to do a photo shoot or or plan that and I still manage to you know find time to spend time with Dan and you know we go do things together so it's it's a busy world for me at the moment Oh, I can imagine. I mean, it's just, you're just constantly going and it's so funny and so exciting. And yes, you are special. So he did that for you because you're special. <laughs> and I, I, I've always gotten the impression and I've heard from other people in the industry that Tom Arnold is really cool, dude, that he's really down to earth. He's like a people person. And, and it's so funny because my wife does not like him at all. She can't give you a reason why she just doesn't like him, but she also doesn't like Tom Petty, which I can't figure out because <laughs> I love Tom Petty. And uh, but I mean, it's like just recently I was rewatching um, uh, what was it called? I think it was Exit Wounds with Steven Seagal and Tom Arnold was in that uh -huh. uh, with Steven Seagal. And he was so funny in that movie. And he he was just a funny, quirky, kind of wild. He was like, a, 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 I think he had like a, a TV show similar to Jerry Springer or something like that. And uh, I've just seen him in so many things where he's just he's always been funny. But I've heard a lot of stories from the industry folks that he is really cool and really down to earth, really laid back. He's he's like a. a, a people person and uh so and i'm always i always think that's great when celebrities are like that because so many of them you know i know they get hounded all the time but so many of them you know once they their name gets out they become a known celebrity it's like they're too freaking good for everybody yeah. um and 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 to me that's disheartening in some ways like i can understand you know if you're getting hounded for autographs by clamoring drooling fans all the time and that kind of stuff driving you up the wall but like i know when i lived in georgia still i actually met 
uh, when I was doing my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project, and I met up with a couple of restaurant owners whose restaurants had gone under, but before they went under, you know, like a year before they went under or whatever, they had they had done um, like the Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay or, or one of his shows. And I love Gordon. I love his shows and all of that stuff. I like his personality, but it was so funny to talk to these people that were on one of his shows and they were like, yeah, the instant the cameras stop rolling, he doesn't even talk to you anymore. Yeah. It's like the camera stopped rolling and he's out the door. He doesn't give a crap about you until the next day when he's back to film the next scene with you. And I'm like, really? I mean, you'd think, uh, you know, because in a situation like that, he's only dealing, you know, with five or six average people from a restaurant, you know, the owner and his wife and maybe two or three waiters and waitresses and the bartender. Yeah. And that's it. And it's like, really, you can't take five minutes out of your schedule after shooting, you know, scenes with them for your show. You can't sit down and have a cup of coffee and just chat with them like a regular person. I, yeah. I, I just hate celebrities that are like that. You know, I, I understand, you know, if you don't want to be hounded all the time in public, you know, because, yeah. and I don't remember if I told you this story before or not, but back in the 80s, Lou Ferrigno, the guy that played the original Incredible Hawk on the TV show, uh -huh. he bought a cabin on Armenia Mountain, which is in my little pissant hometown of Troy, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and he spends every summer in Troy. He has since the 80s. And he loves coming to Troy because people don't bother him. People don't hound him for autographs. People aren't asking him for selfies all the time. He can just be a regular person. He can sit, you know, all day on a Saturday at my friend Joe's pizza shop in town, Benny's Pizza, and, and just talk to people like a regular person and he, he and joe can go on sundays and play a round of golf together which they do all the freaking time and you know so i can understand you know that aspect them wanting to be you know a regular person to not be hounded all the time but it's like really you can't take you know 10 minutes and sit with the four or five regular people that you're shooting your show with and just talk to them or have a cup of coffee with them or something you got to be instantly out the door the second the camera stops rolling I, yeah, the, I can definitely, definitely agree with you there. It, for one, the people that are in the industry, if they didn't want to be a celebrity, they sure shouldn't have like tried to do it then. And if, yeah, I get it. Like being out in public, like if you're at the grocery store or something like that, and you just, you know, you don't want to be seen by somebody. I get that. But yeah, the, the whole you know, movie aspect, if you're there on set, like, and I've had this with, you know, some bigger name actors, I'm not going to say who they are, but they are there. Uh, the people that have, you know, like uh, trailers for them or their own little special private room. As soon as the camera stops, they up and leave and could give like two craps about you no matter what. And they're gone and they just walk away. And then you have other ones where they might be friendly, but the producers or their handler or whatever is shooing them away to put them back in a room to not be hounded by people, especially if there's a lot of people on set. And I guess for me, that's a little frustrating when the people are shooing them away, because if the person wants to hang out, just like let them let them hang out. But for the people that want to shun their fans or even their fellow actors that they're in a scene with, even if they are the biggest name and the most highest paid, your fans and those people that love you are the only reason that you are where you are. That is it. 
and you because you gained that little bit of popularity with a specific group of people, those are the people that are going to further your career in in the aspect of fandom. And the the more you're talked about, the more highly rated you are, the better off you're going to look to somebody else. And so once you get that bad name, you know, and you can name tons of like Hollywood celebrities where people are like, oh, that person badmouth this person and they're not nice to their fans and they do all these bad things. No one wants to work with that person. But why put yourself in the position in the first place if you didn't want the attention or to be in the limelight? Don't put yourself in it. Me personally, I can't wait till I'm at that point where I'm recognized more heavily. I mean, even in Arizona, there are a lot of people who've I know who I am. I was yelled at in the parking lot of the grocery store that I'm near a few months back by just some random stranger who knew me from YouTube. And I was like, this is cool, but this is awkward. Uh, All at the same time, I wasn't going to say anything, but I waved and, you know, that kind of thing. I can't wait for those moments to happen. And, you know, people that want pictures, people that want autographs, people that are invested in what you're doing because either you make them happy or you know you give inspiration or whatever it might be and i guess i really feel that way because i've i lived without a voice so to speak for so long um that i had to become you know my own advocate which is extremely difficult and i'm still not very good at it but i want to I guess, be a voice for those people. If they want to come up to me, I don't want them to feel ashamed or shy or like they're bothering me or anything like that. I would love to have a conversation with them. You know, if they want to ask questions, I would love to be able to impart anything that I possibly could. And uh, I know that those moments are waiting. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to them and I'm, you know, manifesting that the big things are happening and they will continue to happen. And it's, It's such a shame and a waste for people to want to just not be a decent human being. I mean, again, you put yourself there. You should love it or you should leave completely. Yeah, exactly. It always killed me to hear about, you know, certain celebrities, especially the biggest one that always comes to mind for me is, um, what's his name? Oh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is such a jerk in public. Like he's the one that you've heard all these stories about him attacking photographers that take his picture when he's walking down a public street, punches people in the face and everything like that. And there's been a few times where I've been in the same general area of New York or somewhere else at the same time I knew he was filming something or something like that and i'm like i swear to god he walks down the street i get his picture he sees me comes over to jump me i'm gonna beat him into the asphalt (laughs) i love him as an actor but if he tries that crap just because i pointed my canon camera at him i'm gonna pound him into the pavement no two ways about it oh yeah no and see this is so not cool it's like don't like you oh no i don't i don't understand people like you know, smile and wave. Like, yeah, I get it. If you're coming out of the gym and you're yucky and exhausted, you know, just go, hey, clearly coming out of the gym. Like, I'm gross right now, but do be nice, you know, like, or stay in your house for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. Like, 
I mean, I, I could see it if like he was walking down the street with his kids or something and, and a guy with a camera has got his camera lens like six inches from his face taking his picture when he's out with his kids. But, you know, when it's a guy that's two blocks up the street on the opposite side of the street taking your picture and you chase them down and beat the crap out of them and smash their camera, that's just totally uncalled for. Yeah, no, it's it's not OK. And I uh, I don't know. It's not too much you can say other than just be kind because, you know, the life is short and for the blink of an eye that we get to be here, just make the most of it. You know, I, I don't know. I'll yeah, get people sometimes. Exactly. And, you know, and I, I run into the same thing and even though they're not like a-list celebrities, YouTubers get to be the same freaking way. Like, yep. you know, I, I followed Jared Poland since he first started Frono's photo eons ago. And I've mm -hmm. always I've always enjoyed his videos. I've supported him by buying his T-shirts and stuff like that. And then it's like I started doing my podcast and I've had people on my show way bigger than him. I'm like 30 year National Geographic photographers and stuff like wow. that. And I hit him up and I'm like, hey, Jared, I've got photography students that would love to have you on the show because you shot for years for Rolling Stone magazine. And yeah. I haven't been able to get somebody like that from that kind of industry on my show yet. He won't even reply to the emails. I'm like, really, dude, you're that disrespectful that you can't even reply to my email and politely say no. You just totally blow me off like you're too good for me or something wow it's like please Dude, you know sucks. it's like i said i've had people you know come on my show as guests that were grateful to come on my show even though mine's a little pissant show uh with very little you know i don't have the kind of audience some of the other shows have i'm not joe rogan but you know <laughs> I've, I've had people that have been shooting for nat geo for 30 40 years come they're like heck yeah i'll come on your show and talk about wildlife photography absolutely and you know yeah. and then somebody like him that shot for rolling stone oh because he's got a million and a half youtube subs he's too good to even reply to my email <laughs> yeah see i and for that reason alone of, um, you know, of people, I guess, kind of ghosting you or not replying, I think that's one of the hardest things for me to do to reach out to people, whether it's for acting or for, you know, collaborations for my YouTube channel is that just ghosting feeling or them, you know, that, that non-reply whatsoever. And, and I've, I've had it happen a couple of times and it's disheartening and you're like, there's, I could add benefit to you and you could add benefit to me as well. Um, I, I will say that, you know, as far as like getting a hold of people and stuff like that, like Brian major, the crystal collector, I was super excited to work with him. He was fantastic. We had the best time. Um, we laughed all day. Um, and it was great. And he even, you know, he said he didn't do it very often, do like collaborations and stuff like that. And so I was extremely grateful. And there's a couple more collaborations that, you know, that I hope to do um, with other people. I, I can't wait actually, you know, to meet Donnie Dust um, in person. And he has a podcast right now called Rescue. Um, and he, you know, he's been on alone. He's been on like, I think, but beards and blood or something like that. Um, a bunch of different network TV shows. Cause he's a, um, 
uh, bushcraft sort of person, a survivalist. And he's very good at it, but he's the most down-to-earth person. He's so kind. Like, you you can tell in the things that he writes and 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 stuff like that. And we've had back and forth with just, you know, him asking me questions about minerals, which I'm like, oh, like, Dottie's asking me a question. This is so cool. And he just seems very, very kind. And um, hopefully in person, I'll get to work with him. But we have collaborated on a couple different short videos before. Uh, he's done some little skits for me so that I could post them to my YouTube. And I was very grateful. But he was like, yeah, not a problem. I'm I'm very down to do this. And he's millions and millions and millions of people know who he is. You know, I mean, his YouTube channel's off the chart. His TikTok channel's off the chart. And um, I'm like this little teeny tiny small person and he is grateful, I think, to the his, you know, like I guess maybe loyal fans or just people that he also thinks is down to earth. I'm not sure why I got included into that, but I'm so grateful that I did. It just makes me smile and it makes me happy. And I, I try to gravitate towards people that are down to earth, that are that seem genuine and seem nice. Because those people that just have the attitude because, oh my gosh, I have a million followers on YouTube or blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, you're, you are one drop in the, what, 8 billion people that we have on earth. Just be a normal human being. Be kind. Like, be easy to work with. And I guess I'm so over having so much drama after dealing with so much last year that I am very, very much an advocate of just negating and, and getting rid of, um, you know, the toxic people and toxic situations in your life as best you can. And, you know, if more people would do that, I think we'd be better off, but, um, sorry, I'm, I, I can get off on many tangents because uh, things go in crazy positions crazy different ways. But I think that just because you have a certain amount of followers or you think that you have a certain amount of status doesn't make you any better than somebody who doesn't have as many followers as you do, um, you know, on paper, but just be a human being. And so there's no reason that people should ghost you for your emails and, you know, not want to come on your podcast if they just think it's small because you never know who could be listening. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing that kills me is I initially, the first time I reached out to him by email, I was like, okay, you know, he probably gets flooded with tons of emails from, you know, fans and all that crap. He might not have seen it. So, and then he had signed up for this, um, I think it's called community or something like that. It's like this uh, text line that you can get where your fans can access you directly without you giving out your personal cell phone number, but it costs like a hundred and some dollars a month for the service. And uh, so he signed up for that. And I was one of the first people to sign up with his community text number, text line. And so I'll, I would text him on that text line and he would answer me in real time. If I posed a camera question or something like that to him, but then I text him the same question that I sent him in the email about coming on my podcast. Cricket. (laughs) it's like now i know you're being a jerk dude (laughs) because you just answered my camera question 10 minutes ago and you wouldn't answer that you wouldn't even respond to this one (laughs) just a polite no just you know for any whatever reason it is just just that polite you know i appreciate you wanting me on but at this time it's just not a right fit for me there, there are so many ways like Because that's what you think, right? No is the worst answer that someone could possibly give you, right? Well, actually, crickets is the number one worst answer. (laughs) I would rather get a no and and some form of confirmation that this has been seen or received than absolutely nothing. 
And yeah. I would say that's that's one of the hardest parts about everything that I do, being a content creator, being an actor, being a model, is putting all of myself out there in every possible direction, being it artsy or scientific. I mean, you name it and I'm in it. When people say no, those those rejections are so extremely hard. And you just, you just have to have a tough skin and go, well, this one wasn't the right thing. What am I going to do next? And what am I moving on to? You can't wait for the no. You just have to keep moving forward. You always have to keep searching for your next yes. And, you know, if you get the no's, that's great. If you don't get anything, just keep searching until someone says yes. And it does happen. It just takes a while. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, and I've had that happen. I've, I've hit up like other podcasters that are in the photography podcast space and asked them to come on my show for a specific genre that they do that I haven't been able to cover yet. And I've had them, you know, email me back and they're like, uh, well, I appreciate the offer, but you, you know, you're not big enough, so I can't come on your show. And that kind of pisses me off, but at least they give me an answer, you know. And <laughs> yeah. and then the, the other side of that coin is because it does piss me off. And I just sit back and I think to myself, OK, jerk. Now, when my channel is as big as yours and you want to do a collaboration video or something, screw you. <laughs> I'm not going to do one with you. <laughs> but like I, I hit up a girl on YouTube. Um, she does photography videos. She does a lot of vlogging videos um, and she has multiple YouTube channels. She has like a travel channel where her and her, her significant, her, I, I thought he was her husband, but I guess they're not married. They do recently have a kid together where they travel around the world. Then they vlog on their travels. And then she has her Gemini connect, which is, you know, reviews of camera gear and lenses and smartphone devices, gimbals and stuff like that. Wow. And her name's Susie Pratt. She's a really nice young lady. She lives in Seattle, Washington. And she had like 60,000 subscribers to buy Measly 10. And I sent her an email and I asked her if she'd be willing to come on my show and talk about food photography because it's one of the things she does and i've oh. never had never had a food photographer on my show before and she was like absolutely i'd love to do that and she was so cool and so nice she didn't care that my channel was smaller than hers she thought it was the greatest thing in the world she's like i hardly ever get asked to go on photography podcasts so she's like absolutely let's do this cool i love to hear that yep yep that, those are the cool people <laughs> yes for sure now those I, are the people to keep close yeah exactly now i gotta ask you because i know you've actually now worked with him twice and i gotta find out a little bit more about the first film that you did with kevin sorbo because that was like a medieval film so tell me a little bit more about that and did you actually get to shoot scenes with him or you just got to take a picture with him at the end of filming because <laughs> i don't i don't know if you guys were actually in scenes together or not so, yes, um, we, <clears throat> excuse me, we were in, uh, what was it, two scenes together? Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, th I believe it was two scenes. And there, I forgot what you asked me, actually. My my brain kind of went just bonker, just went out the window. I don't know why. Anyways, <laughs> the... Um, it was a medieval movie. Um, it's something that I haven't um, heard about, like what's going on. That's one of those things where, you know, like the the trailer's been released for it and that's kind of it. Um, but like Eric Roberts, Kevin Sorbo and Angie Everhart were all in that that film and, and some other people as well. And Daniel Baldwin and then um, some other lesser known names. But the... Uh, 
I was in direct scenes with Kevin Sorbo and I was in direct scenes with um, Angie Everhart. And I actually got to like yell at both of them. Um, I got to kind of make fun of Angie Everhart in my scene. Um, uh, she was the uh, some duchess. I don't remember the exact name. And then um, Kevin Sorbo played this like big captain of the guard sort of person. And I got to have face to face things where, yeah, I basically was yelling at them and um I don't know like how much I'm allowed to like talk about the film just because it's not out, but it, it was really cool uh, to be able to, you know, be in front of people that I had watched growing up essentially. Um, and, and it was kind of, I was geeking out, but I was trying not to overly geek out about it. Like I didn't want to be one of those fan people. Um, but you know, definitely I jumped in there and I was one of the first people to say, Hey, can I take a picture with you? And I remember the director specifically. <laughs> I jumped up on this rock. <laughs> we were outside. And this we're filming this at like, oh, geez, I don't know, 1, 2 a.m. And because I was a little bit shorter than some of the other people. I mean, I'm 5'9", so I have some height to me, but I wanted to be seen. So I jump up on a rock and I said, hey, Adam. And Adam Rath was the director. First time me meeting Adam just that day that I was there. And I said, would you take a picture of me and Kevin? <laughs> he, they both look at me and, and I looked at Kevin Sorbo and I was like, is that okay? Is that cool? He's all, yeah, come here. And Adam just kind of rolled his eyes at me and he took my cell phone and he took some pictures of us. I was like, well, I think I just made a complete fool of myself, but hey, it's better to be memorable and be made a fool of than, you know, not do anything at all. And yeah. and so, yeah, I, I snagged pictures like that. And it was funny. So that was my meeting with, with like, you know, Mr. Sorbo is, was, it was hilarious though. <laughs> <laughs> now I know, um, like I, I was telling you when we were doing the warm up talk before we started the show, um, uh I just I just watched the trailer for Alien Storm, so I'm really excited because I love any kind of alien invasion stuff. I've watched yes. pretty much everything about that that's ever been created by any studio. And awesome. I didn't know until I watched the trailer that Kevin Zorbo was in that as well and that he mm -hmm. plays the president. So you probably didn't get to shoot any scenes with him for that movie, did you? No, I didn't because his scenes were shot in L.A., um, and my scenes for that movie were shot in Las Vegas. And so, no, I wasn't in um, any of those scenes with him, but um, some of my friends were. And so, you know, they they once again, they said, yeah, he's cool. Like, he'll sit and tell you stories about um, him surfing or like where he's been, what he's done. He's very, very talkative about himself once you start um, just chatting with him. He, you know, but very just. He's not, I wouldn't, he, I wouldn't call him stuck up. I wouldn't call him anything bad. He just he loves to chat, like loves to talk. Like, I think he'd sit there and like talk your ear off. He's not a person that just ran away. He didn't do anything like, oh, I have to go hide in my trailer or anything like that. He was just like, yeah, what's up? And he, he would ask people, hey, where are you from? How long have you been doing this? Like he was engaging. So that was cool. Yeah, that would be totally cool. He always struck me as the, the down-to-earth kind of person. I used to love to watch him in Hercules. Uh, I loved him on that mm -hmm. show. I didn't yeah. watch any, and it's funny because it was a Gene Roddenberry creation, just like Star Trek, but I never got into Andromeda, and I know that was the other big show that he was on. Uh -huh. um, but I, I never watched it. Gene Roddenberry made a few different TV shows, some Westerns and some 
sci-fi, but the only one I've ever liked was Star Trek. So <laughs> I never, I tried to watch Andromeda <laughs> because it was a Gene Roddenberry project, but I just, I couldn't get into it. Um, it just wasn't my cup of tea, but he always just seemed to me like Kevin Sorbo, like he was a really down to earth kind of person like Tom Arnold. And, um, mm-hmm. and I've always wondered because I haven't heard as much uh, about it, but I've always wondered if Lucy Lawless was like that or if she's more the uppity celebrity type, you know, uh, his co-star where they did the crossover episodes of Hercules and Xena and all that good stuff. Because I loved yeah, her I show. Know. Her show was really great, too. And I've yeah. seen her in a few other things. She she was a, she was an assassin in an episode of Burn Notice, which I used to watch on USA. And uh, she was really really good as a as a diabolical evil woman in that uh, an assassin in that so that was she was pretty cool in that and i've seen her in a couple other things but i always wondered if if she was as down to earth as him or or uh or if she was because uh, i know it's it's pretty rare with celebrities very few of them are like people people you know where they can just sit and drink a beer with you and tell stories uh, yeah there's just not many I, of them that are like that i don't know i and i'm the i would say it's like a huge mix honestly it's like you got a 50 50 chance of them you know being decent or uh blowing you off yeah yeah i i can imagine because i was always a bit like a big fan of steven seagal especially back when he was you know young and he was doing all of his action movies all the time and and then Uh i started hearing a lot of stories from other people that had been in films with him and they were like yeah he's such a jerk even on set he's a jerk (laughs) to everybody Uh, and it's like man you know that's got to be rough to work with somebody like that oh yeah my gosh it cannot be fun at all Uh uh-uh the weird thing was is i did meet him i met him and jackie chan and chuck norris at um u.s i was the u.s i want to say it was like karate championships or something like that it was in vegas back in the early 90s uh shortly after i'd gotten out of the military after desert storm and i met all three of them they were the judges for the competition i got to meet all three of them and he was totally cool then but i i just i've heard a lot of horror stories from his co-stars that he's he was just terrible on the set that, yeah, he was one of those types. And now he's like lost his freaking mind and moved to Russia and he's buddies with Putin now. I don't get that whole thing. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. But uh so you did you did the medieval film with Kevin Zorbo and now you've got Alien Storm. And they so you've done two with him. Um and I and I didn't think you got scenes with him in Alien Storm only because the only footage i saw of him you know he was the president of the united states and he was like doing a a, a tv broadcast of the nation his character yeah. was so i was like yeah you probably i thought probably ellie didn't get to do any scenes with him because he was playing the president and she was playing a different <laughs> character and but i i really love the trailer because it looks like it's going to be a really cool alien invasion movie and yeah. and like i said i've always loved that kind of stuff i was big into falling skies so that was on tnt and I was hooked on War of the World since I was a little kid. Awesome. They, they made that into a movie a couple of times the last time with Tom Cruise. But a lot of people don't realize that War of the Worlds was actually an extremely popular TV series. And uh, I want to say it was uh, mid to late 80s. On, uh, I can't remember if it was on. I want to say it was on Fox, but it might have been before it was Fox, back when it was uh, Wolf TV or something like that. 
or okay. or it might have been in the it might have been in the early days of the sci-fi channel i honestly can't remember but yeah there used to be a war of the world's tv series that was like massively good it was a really good show so i've always That's been awesome. into that kind of stuff and i was like oh ellie's done an alien invasion movie i definitely gotta watch that because my friend's in it and it's aliens <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you wait till you see the aliens they're they're quite a trip Mm. so we actually get to see what they look like because from the trailers all you ever saw was the red eyes and stuff and it's like okay is this going to be one of the movies where you never actually get to see the creatures you just see their oh, eyes no, in you, a shadow you'll definitely get to see them um but i mean i can't talk about like what they look like no and no, no of but, course of course i don't want to um, get you in trouble they're seeing them like you, you're like oh my gosh like the special effects that they did was really a good job uh you know the people are in suits and they oh gosh i felt kind of sorry it well i kind of half felt sorry they the guys that were wearing them they'd get really like super heated up and like sweat under the suits but for the most part, they were also the warmest people on set because it was filmed in February and it was cold outside. Oh, yeah, so, I can imagine. Like we you name it. I had like a hot hands like all everywhere. You, you every pocket, every everything. I was trying to warm myself up, especially the outdoor scenes. But <laughs> it was freezing. Yeah, but that's yeah, but that's because you live out there, and you people think sixty is freezing. <laughs> no, no, it was thirty-four. Some one of the nights, it got really, it got really, really cold. Um, and so it was, you know, it, it was down there. But yeah, pretty much, if it hits fifty degrees, we're dying out here. <laughs> I know because I've got friends in Florida that are the same way. They're like, "Oh my God, it got down to seventy. I'm freezing." And I'm yes. like, "Oh, you're such a baby." <laughs> yep, I am a full wuss because I mean, I can handle one hundred and twenty degrees, and that's not that bad. So when it hits fifty degrees, my body is like, "Okay, go into hibernation. You're freezing cold now." <laughs> oh, I know because when I was back when I was in the military, I did a, I did a six month stint. There was five of us from my Army Ranger unit that spent six months in San Diego cross training with SEAL Team Six, and uh, and it was uh, not the famous SEAL Team Six that killed Osama bin Laden. You know, this is decades ago, so it was the same yeah. unit but different people at the time, di yeah. different sailors. Um, but I, I I used to get such a kick out of because we'd fall out for PT at four o'clock in the morning in San Diego, and all the California people are in like snowmobile suits. Yep. And those of us that are from the East Coast, the five of us, we're, out, shorts, we're right? out there in tank tops and shorts and we're sweating bullets. And these guys are wearing snowmobile suits and they're freezing. And I'm like, really? It is 62 degrees. How can you be freezing? That's awesome. Oh, so I, I had to tease you about that because I don't I don't know how much experience you had with real cold. Like when I say real cold, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And that's not even the worst of it, because when you go through ranger school in the army, you have mm -hmm. to do a certain portion of your training in the four major climates. So desert, oh, yeah. desert, jungle, and of course, Arctic. Yes. And so for the Arctic training, the army rangers do their Arctic training at Fort Drum, New York in the wintertime. And Fort <laughs> Fort Drum, New York in the wintertime gets to a balmy minus 60 to minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> it gets cold enough that everything freezes. Gasoline, diesel fuel, everything freezes when it's that cold. Whoa. 
Wow. No. Okay. So the, the coldest weather that I've lived in was, um, we, it was because of a hundred year storm and it was a place called Janesville, California. And the year that I'm talking about, I don't remember like which year it was, uh, but it got down to negative 22. Um, and that wasn't with like wind chill or anything. That's how cold it was. Um, and so like, yeah, everything froze. Like my pipes froze and, you know, burst, uh, couldn't get the truck started because it was a diesel. And in California where it was, uh, most people didn't have any form of a plug-in for their diesel because it didn't freeze. So yeah, I had to like be rescued by like a forest service person so that I could even just go to, to work. Um, but at, you know, I, I knew the person at the time, so it wasn't like that big of a deal, but it's like, I can't leave. Like I am stuck. Like, there was a ton of snow. It didn't melt. Like everything was a pain. Like everything was so bad. Uh, you know, at least at the time I was scooping up snow and packing it into big old pots and melting it on the stove so that I could take a, like a spit bath shower. Um, I didn't have electricity. I, everything was, you know, by candles or a flashlight. And so it was, that was a very rough, but it only lasted like a month. Um, and then it got better. Otherwise, you know, I, I've camped. I, I mean, I've been to Greenland, which was in the summer, but it was still freezing cold. Um, you know, I've been, um, lived in Idaho. Uh, one morning I woke up and we had seven foot of snow for fun. My dad told me, Hey, open the front door. And I'm like, but it's still dark outside. It wasn't dark outside. I opened the front door and it was a wall of snow. And I mean, I was a kid, you know, I was 12 years old, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, how are we supposed to leave? And so you go upstairs to my parents' like little balcony area and you're like, oh my gosh, like there's literally, you, you can't see anything. You can't see a vehicle. You can't see whatever, like the horses and the animals. Thank goodness they had barns to be in. Otherwise, I mean, I don't even know what would happen if people had that kind of stuff and no shelters. It was the freakiest thing. So I've lived in snow and there's a very good reason why I don't live in snow anymore. Snow is a vacation. It is not somewhere where you set up camp to like live there forever. And, you know, for the people that can do that all year round or however long, God bless them. But that's not for me at all. Oh, yeah. I forgot to give you credit that you were in Greenland, which even in the summertime, it's cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's my bad. Uh, but yeah, I've, it just I've had so many friends that are from warm states and they're like, yeah, it was it was freezing last night. I'm like, really? What did it get down to? 62. I'm like, and that's freezing. I'm like, yeah. try try growing up in Pennsylvania where in the wintertime, the average, average temperature overnight is minus 40 or minus 35. <laughs> then you tell me about being cold. I mean, you're talking those kind of temperatures are at four drum. It's so cold that if you spit, by the time it hits the sidewalk, it's shattering. Because <laughs> oh, it's no. frozen Wait, solid no. from the time it left your lip until it hit the ground. Oh, man. No, no. It's too, too cold. Too cold. <laughs> all right i'm gonna pause right here for a minute so i can uh do my sponsor break and then we'll come oh. back and we'll talk some more all right stand by okay consistently creating new content isn't easy and it requires a lot of focus and energy and it can be hard to balance them too much energy and you feel amped up and ready to bounce off the walls instead of feeling dialed in and focused 
Well, now I've found the perfect solution in this little shot called Magic Mind. Magic Mind is perfect as I can easily incorporate it into my morning routine and I don't have to cut out my coffee completely, just scale it back some. Now, I used to start my mornings with six to eight cups of coffee. You heard that right, six to eight cups of coffee. Because as I've gotten older, I found it harder to get started in the morning and coffee has always been my go-to vice for that. Now, I spent years when I was younger in the army and then time as a truck driver while putting myself through college and coffee was always there. The problem is you can have too much coffee and not only feel amped up, but as you get older, it can also cause a high resting heart rate, which was a problem I was having until I found Magic Mind Shots. Now, Magic Mind is all natural with ingredients like matcha, which contains way less caffeine than coffee, but also has additional compounds that make the caffeine absorb into your body more slowly and keeps it more evened out, kind of like an extended release caffeine. Now, matcha also contains L-theanine that helps reduce stress, and it is only one of several of the all-natural ingredients that's found in the Magic Mind drink. The rest you can read about on their website. Now, with this little shot, I can be awake, alert, and focused all day, get things done, whether it's in my IT work, my photography work, or making content for this podcast or my YouTube channel, and I've cut my coffee intake back to two cups and a shot of Magic Mind, and I'm good to go, and the shot tastes great as well. So, a win-win there. Now, if you're like me, and your to-do list seems endless, and you want to maintain focus, be less stressed, and get things done without feeling amped up or crashing later in the day, then you need to reach for Magic Mind like I did. You can head on over to the link in the show notes, which is https colon slash slash www.magicmind.com forward slash j-a-n-p-h-o-t-o-g-r-a-p-h-y. Now, only this January, they help you gear up to crush your 2024 New Year's resolutions fully focused. You can get one month for free when you subscribe for three months with the code PHOTOGRAPHY20, which is P-H-O-T-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y-2-0. It's an extra 20% off, which gets you to a 75% off discount. Now, this only lasts until the end of January, so hurry up before the code goes away. Now, if you live near any of the Sprouts Farmer's Market locations across the U.S., you can also head on down to Sprouts, pick up a few bottles to give it a try, and then go back to the site and get that subscription discount. So I want to thank the good folks at Magic Mind for sponsoring today's episode. And now let's get back to Miss Ellie. All right, girl, we're back. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yep. Uh, I, I've actually been really enjoying that. It's a, just a little shot drink, uh, about the same size as the uh, is like the five hour energy. But I tried the five hour energy back when I was a truck driver, and it did absolutely nothing for me. It like it like boosted my energy for like twenty minutes, and then I was ready to pass out again. I was like, this stuff's really? worthless. I'm like, this stuff's junk. <laughs> but the magic mind works really well. And uh, That's so, awesome. yep. Uh, so I've been happy to have them as a sponsor. As a matter of fact, this is the uh, last episode because I were only I was only doing nine episodes for them. 
or they were only sponsoring nine episodes and this is the ninth one so we'll have to wait and see if they're going to continue with me after that hopefully they will because they've been really wonderful folks and i really love the product it's really one yeah because i was i was a lion and you heard that where i was talking about mm-hmm. i really was starting to have trouble with a high resting heart rate because i was drinking too much coffee i'd be like a saturday afternoon i'm relaxing on the couch and my apple watch is like your heart rate's way too high and i'm like oh that can't be good and i'm like what the heck is causing that and then i got thinking about it and i'm like i'm probably going through caffeine overdose because the human body's not supposed to take in more than like i think it's 400 milligrams of caffeine a day and like every cup of dunkin donuts coffee is like 200 milligrams and i'm drinking eight of them (laughs) that can't be good (laughs) wow no you know dan and i um we roast our own coffee oh yeah rub it in rub it in and so oh i'm I'm rubbing it in man i'm such a like a coffee snob i won't dare like go to some places to to drink coffee because it's just burnt and they burn coffee on purpose so that it has a uniform flavor and it's like oh yeah really? that's just so dumb we don't we we experiment with ours but we like a lightly roasted coffee so you can still taste the bean you get a good amount of caffeine and it's not burnt you don't have that over acid but um you know i like a cup of coffee per day i don't do it for the energy i just do it because it's a habit I like the flavor and it's kind of like a vice just going, oh, I have have a warm cup of coffee. I can sit down. I can just kind of figure out what I'm going to do for the day and then, you know, move forward. And then sometimes if I'm feeling like I just need like a pick me up or whatever, just for like flavor wise, I mean, it's better to go grab, you know, a cup of coffee than it is a beer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wait till you get another two decades on your odometer, sweetie, and then tell me if you don't need more coffee in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a coffee snob too. Um, I used to, for years, I could drink like Maxwell House if I made it myself at home or I could drink. I loved Folgers French Roast I used to, but I have had a Keurig and drank like primarily Dunkin' Donuts regular coffee, which is a... Theirs is a, I think it's a medium roast or a light medium roast. I've always either drank that or uh, the Keurig Green Mountain Coffee, which I was used to for many moons before Keurig bought them out. It was actually um, the coffee that was sold in all the Hess Express convenience stores in Pennsylvania. Um, And so I love that. Their breakfast blend coffee and the Walmart breakfast blend coffee is actually really good. And those both those breakfast blends are more of a lighter roast, but... Uh, it's so crazy because a couple of months ago, I went to the store and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to cut back because my Dunkin' K-Pods are expensive no matter where I get them. They're the most expensive K-Pods you can buy. And I'm like, I need to start going back to drinking regular pots of coffee. So I went and bought a can of Maxwell House, brought it home, brewed my first pot, took one sip, poured the whole pot down the drain. I was like, that is hideous. <laughs> and so I've turned into a coffee snob and I've had the the freshly ground coffee. I've had friends that do that and it is usually really good stuff i've never gone that route myself just because i don't want the hassle of grinding my own beans um but you're right a lot of places they do purposely burn the coffee one of the reasons why i love duncan and i went to the stores for my coffee for years didn't even care about the donuts or breakfast sandwiches just the coffee was because i never had to worry about getting burnt coffee at duncan because they literally sell a cup of coffee like every three seconds in every store in the country every store they have they average 
a cup of coffee every three seconds they sell so their coffee never sits long enough to get burnt <laughs> and uh, so that's one of the reasons why i love it but like oh starbucks i can't stand their coffee to me it's just horrible nothing they sell tastes good i would yeah. not give you a i've had people buy me starbucks and i throw it out because i just can't stand their car i don't know what it is because the funny thing is a lot of people don't realize starbucks and duncan both buy their arabica beans from the same uh african country i can't remember the name but it's one of the ones that starts with an e i don't think it's ethiopia it's one of the other ones but i used to work with a guy from that country so that's how i know and he he's like yeah he's like the the duncan donuts people when they started buying our arabica beans decades ago because he's like my grandfather told me this story when i was a kid he said they sent their roast masters down to our country and they had them there for months learning from us how to properly roast these beans to get the maximum taste from the coffee and yeah. the starbucks people they just wanted to buy our beans and nope we'll do it our own way and he always said the same thing he's like yeah their coffee's horrible he's like they destroy our beans they buy our premium beans and then they destroy them with how they roast them yeah because they just they will put them in the roaster for like the maximum amount of time and uh, they just let them go way, way too long at the roasting stage. And, and that's the stage where they burn them. And it's like, that's not necessary. We'll get um, Ethiopian beans that are the Arabica beans and we get them from everywhere. I personally like the ones that come from Guatemala um, that we'll get the green beans from there. And then we, you know, we roast them, but we do what's called a city roast. And so basically you get your roaster as hot as you can. And then um, after the first crack, you cool them down and, and there's a whole science to it. And this is just the short, dirty version, but you cool them down pretty rapidly so that they don't continue to roast. And then, you know, you let them age for 24 to, you know, 73 hours uh, before you actually grind them to put them in the coffee pot. And so it's, and you can get amazing flavor if you roast them the right way. But yeah, if you just blanket, burn all the beans and then grind them all up it's acidic and it's oily like if you if you get coffee and there's like a film of oil across the top it means you've got burnt coffee they yeah. burnt the beans yep. in the roasting stage and you're like uh you didn't need to do that yeah exactly that's crazy <laughs> too and another thing that's funny is i had a guy i knew um he was originally from georgia and he moved into my home area in pennsylvania eons ago and we got to be friends and he was big into espresso and he was always raving about espresso so i was over to his house one day and he's like dude man you got to try a cup of my espresso and so he made me a cup of espresso and i took one taste of it and i'm like what do you pay for this coffee and he's like oh it's like 15 dollars a pound and I'm like, dude, this is nothing but Maxwell House coffee that's been brewed, left on the stove for a week, and then reheated. All it is is burnt <laughs> coffee, dude. I'm like, you don't have to pay $15 a pound to get burnt coffee. <laughs> you can just buy $2 a pound Maxwell House, brew it, leave it sitting on your stove cold for a week, and then reheat it in the microwave. You get the same thing. <laughs> Good gosh. Uh, it's just horrible. I don't know how anybody could drink espresso. It is so acidic. Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, I just can't stand it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> All right. So now we bored everybody with our coffee fetishes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. Uh, so, okay. So we, we covered the, the medieval film that you did with Kevin Sorbo and Alien Storm and your Westerns. And 
all the stuff you've been doing on your YouTube, which has just been amazing. I mean, like I said, just like every time I turn around, my YouTube app is going off. Ellie knows rocks posted something. I'm like, yeah, that girl's going all out with her short. She's going crazy. But I love, I love to watch, especially your full length videos because I watch it for the science and for your enthusiasm. Cause I, I, I've always been a scientific person. I was a science nut all through school. I took every science class I could possibly get. And I think the closest we had in high school to a, uh, a geology class, I think was like earth science. Uh-huh. And, and this is how bad I was in high school. I uh-huh. had, when I graduated high school in 1989, you still had to only, back in those days, you had to have 26 credits to graduate from high school. And okay. like the year after I graduated, I think they bumped it up to 32. And I was such a nerd in high school that I had more than 26 credits by the end of my sophomore year. Oh my so God. I took every conceivable academic class I could take. I took algebra one and two geometry, trig calculus, three years of calculus while I was still in high school. And I took all the sciences. And then it's like my senior year, I had to fill my schedule for some stupid reason. The school wouldn't let me graduate early, even though I had overkill and credits. Good gosh. So it's like my senior year I was taking and, and I don't say this to be mean, so please don't flame me in the comments, but I, I had to fill in my senior year with what I called uh, affectionately back in those days, because it was before everybody got PC. I, I called them the, the dummy classes, uh, you know, the general classes like earth science and, and basic math. And cause I didn't have anything else to take. I had taken everything I could conceivably take. And, um, but we never, I think the closest we got to anything in geology was the earth science class. And um, so I love watching your videos because I don't have a lot of knowledge in geology. So I love the scientific aspect of it. Plus, your energy is just infectious. And uh, so that's why I love watching your videos so much. Not just that we, because we're friends, but I just think your content is very interesting and very informative. And that's the kind of content I really enjoy, especially anything science based, because I'm still just a nerd. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I want people to get, you know a lot out of the science and yeah i think in high school they don't really push like the earth sciences too much um but i know it is out there i wish they would do uh, that kind of thing more but at least stem is still you know in the high school so you were dad the math part down um but a lot of the people on my channel they leave comments like uh to the point that they really love the way that I'll try to explain something in geologic terms without making them feel stupid. And I really try to do that because there are some huge terms. There are terms that take an entire book of, you know, a college semester to understand one term. And I like to try to break that down so that people can understand it so that the everyday person can go, oh, I get it. This is what it is. Yeah, they if they were to explain it to somebody, they might not be able to fully explain it. And they don't necessarily have like a whole books list of, you know, uh, content behind those meanings, but they get it enough to be interested in it. And that's what I love. And I I want it to be fulfilling to people to watch the show so that they can have fun with it. And, and I'm so grateful for comments like that. And I'm glad that you get a kick out of it too. And that you love the science portion and, you know, 
a lot of the people are like, oh, some people talk too too high up there, too too many big words, and they don't care to explain it, and they're talking down to you. And it's like, I am never going to talk down to you because I want people to learn. And if you're not enjoying something, uh, you're not you're not going to be entertained. You're not going to learn. But if you can be entertained and you're learning something at the same time, then your brain is going to absorb that even faster. So that's my goal. Exactly. And that was the other point I was going to get to is you have that ability. That's something else you and I have very much in common. And I get people that comment on that on my YouTube videos when I go into something extremely technical in photography but I'll explain it in my video in layman's terms without making the people watching it feeling like I'm talking down to them, like I'm a super genius and you're a retard. So I'm going to yeah. talk to you like one. And so I get those comments all the time. And I used to teach at a college level. I taught uh, computer classes, computer science classes, programming classes mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I've done my share of photography teaching in, in person. And that's one of the things people tell me all the time. They're like, I love learning from you because you don't talk down to me and i'm uh, like there's I, I tell people all the time there's no reason to talk down to somebody because you know more about a subject than they do that's just ignorance in my opinion and i would tell in it i would tell customers on that because i would get a customer that call me needing support and they'd be like yeah i'm having such and such a problem and i feel like such an idiot because i don't know how to do this and the first thing i would tell them is listen you're not an idiot you called me for support because it's what I do for a living. Just like if I needed whatever your company does, I'm going to call you because when it comes to that, I'm an idiot. So don't ever call yourself an idiot when you're on the phone with me. You're not an idiot. This is not your specialty. That's why you call me. And that's always been my attitude with people when it comes because I know I'm I know I'm super smart. <laughs> I had my IQ test in high school. It was off the charts. I, I aced the military aptitude, uh, vocational aptitude battery. I got the only perfect score at the time that any kid in the country had ever gotten. I was the only one that got a perfect score on that. And wow. so I knew I was smart, but I was also the kind that even when I was in high school, like my high school had the Keystone group, which was the group for the super gifted, smart you know, freaking people like Albert Einstein yeah. type people. I had nothing to do with that. My guidance counselor got so mad at me because he wanted me in the Keystone group. And I'm like, I don't need to be in that group. I have enough problems with being an egghead as it is. I don't need to be in an egghead group. <laughs> Leave me alone. Let me, let me go work a job after school where I can make money and buy my own stuff. I don't need to be in some egghead group. I already know I'm the smartest kid in the group. I don't need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> but and because I would love to sp instead spend my time out with other people and sharing my knowledge with them without degrading them or talking down to them, because I, I to me, that's just ignorant. You should never do that. Everybody is smarter than everybody else at certain things at a specific topic or something that they've, you know, trained their whole life in or studied their whole life. in. you're going to be smarter than everybody else. But it doesn't mean you got to be a jerk about it. And that's the other thing that comes across in your videos. You don't talk down to your viewers. And that's another reason why I think you and I are almost like spiritual brother and sister or something. Because <laughs> we both have that teaching technique where we don't talk down to the people we're 
uh, sharing our knowledge with or sharing our information with, or, you know, when they like, when a person comes to me and they're like, you know, can you teach me how to do a daytime long exposure? I want to get beautiful, you know, long exposure waterfall shots in the middle of the afternoon. Like you get where the water looks like cotton candy. That's amazing. Can you teach me how to do that? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, and I get done showing them everything step by step and talking them through how to do it on their own camera. And they're like, wow, that's so much easier. They're like, I went to two workshops and came away still not knowing how to do it after two workshops with other photographers. And you spent three hours with me free of charge on your own time on a Saturday. And now I get how to do it. Awesome. So, <laughs> so I love doing that kind of stuff. And it's, my point again is don't be a jerk and talk down to people just because you know more about a subject. And again, it's like I said, your personality, your knowledge, your, your channel science-based, and you have a good way of talking to your audience without talking down to them. I know that's why your channel has become so popular and why your subscriber count is skyrocketing. Now, mine, I, I use the same technique of not talking down to people, but like I said, there's just so bloody many photography channels, it's hard to, to break through the noise there, so I'll probably never even get as big as your channel is now. And another oh, over over the next 10 years, I'll probably that. never get there. But, but so... Because I've had a couple of people that, you know, I've shared your channel with, you know, and they and they hit me back and they're like, oh, yeah, man, her channel's growing like crazy. Well, look at how pretty she is. And I'm like, that's not why her channel grows. You're being completely ignorant. I'm like, watch her freaking videos, man. Watch her videos. It's the science. It's her enthusiasm. And it's the fact that she teaches her viewers without treating them like they're stupid. <laughs> that's the key to success. Thank you absolutely uh so what do you have anything big you got coming up soon that you can talk about that you're not under an nda or hush hush I'm, I'm, I'm sure you probably got other films coming up soon um anything more on the television front because oh yeah oh my god i almost forgot before we wrap you gotta yeah. tell me the story about how you got on let's make a deal girl Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, well, let's go in order. I don't have any, um, like NDAs right now. I don't have, um, films uh, that I'm under contract with. Um, the only film that I will continue to film is the case of Acacia Thatcher. And that's filmed in here in Arizona. And I've, you know, been applying to more films and of course I'm auditioning constantly. So it's, you know, that's just something that actors do and you hope to, you know, land a big one um i am uh pitching my own tv show to a couple different networks and so that is in the works um i've had some interest from a couple different ones uh, are, those are the things kind of that i can't talk about are you are you allowed to tell me is it an ellie knows rock show or something else oh yeah yeah it would be uh geology based and scientific oh, and adventure and that kind of a thing that would be so cool and so that that will be awesome. Um, I am currently um, kind of on and off. I've been writing some different scripts, uh, that kind of a thing. And I have I have started writing a book. Um, and it's kind of basically how I've gotten to where I'm at. It's hilarious. Like it makes me really laugh when I'm rereading it. So that part is very fun. Um, and then on Let's Make a Deal, I... I got on because you can, you know, you can apply to be on the show. And so I applied to be on the show and they got back to me very quickly. And 
they had me come in for a their primetime show. And I was super excited. You know, they liked my look. They liked my enthusiasm. And I was ecstatic to be there. And that episode aired um, last November, November 2023, uh, November 17th, I think it was. So it was a Friday show. It was prime time. So it means it was, you know, a prime time slot on CBS, which was fantastic. But it was filmed almost a year prior to that Holy so I cow. thought yes I thought they weren't going to use it and um, so you don't you don't get any prizes from the show unless they use your episode and um, but I can talk about that now because my episode is already aired I could not say a word to anyone uh, for a year about it except for you know the people that went with me to be my guests and of course you know Dan and, and my very very close-knit you know friends and when I got there, like, I was so excited. Um, I botched the entire thing. Like, they edited it uh, well. Um, it could have been much better on my part because I had so much more to say. But uh, one, wearing a corset after jumping up and down, not a good idea. Um I got on stage and I could literally barely breathe because beforehand they have you jump up and down and get excited. And like, you know, they do these, this intro thing and they, they do all these whatevers. And it's like, yeah, I was fine while I was in my seat area. But as soon as I had to run down on stage and then sit there and speak, I'm like, <gasps> and I couldn't barely breathe because I had a real corset on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now was, was your outfit supposed to be steampunk or what was it? Yes, it was, yeah, it was a steampunk That's outfit. That's what I thought. I was going to talk about the outfit, but I kind of got up there and I was just like, basically just the words came out of my mouth so fast. Um, I was like, oh, wow, I felt like such a fool. Hey, at least uh, you got to plug your channel, though, on national TV. I did. And that was awesome. Um, I think that that helped uh, my it actually uh, like my Facebook. A lot of people found me on Facebook after that. Uh, but I it was I don't know. I wasn't really scared, but I was just like, oh, wow, that that just came out of your mouth like that. And I remember very consciously after I went to go sit down that that was an absolute disaster. And it was almost embarrassing because. I wanted to say so much more, but I literally, it was like my mind went blank because it couldn't breathe. And, and I mean, that's not an excuse. It's like the truth, but it's an excuse at the same time. I guess I could have just sat there and said, can I catch my breath? But I didn't even think to do that, but it was awesome being on the show. Wayne was hilarious. The, all of their, you know, producers are really nice and they make you feel comfortable. You, you know, you, you play games beforehand. Everybody kind of gets to know each other and, you know, you cheer each other on. And so they, they loved my enthusiasm and, and whatnot. So that was awesome that, you know, I was chosen to be on that. I believe now though, they've gone back to, if you're there, you can just sit in the audience kind of how they did before COVID. Cause I got in right, right when COVID ended, um, December of 2022 is when it was filmed. And so I, you know, we didn't have to do, you know, the, this big, like sit in this huge crowd sort of thing, yeah, which would have yeah. been uh, a disaster. But it was a lot smaller groups of people. So you, you had a bigger chance basically of being chosen to go up there. Um, and, and it was just, 
awesome. I don't, I don't, I can't say anything bad about it other than I was an idiot and I so wish I could have done so much better, but I put the thing, you, you know, if people have seen it, I put it on my YouTube for the screen grab that my friend got for me. Cause I didn't actually get to see it. I had other friends that had, um, Paramount plus that they were able to watch the, the primetime show on. So they recorded it with their phones and sent it to me. And, and I, of course, threw it up on my YouTube channel and, uh, it was just exciting. You know, it, uh, it, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. I would definitely do it again. Cool. But I got, uh, so I'm a little confused. They filmed yep. your episode in December of 2022. Why did they yep. wait a year to decide if they were going to air it? I have no idea. That is crazy. So in um, other words, you did your show in December. Yep. You won, but you didn't get to collect your prize until this past year because yep. they hadn't aired it until then. Yep. Wow. That is nuts. Holy yeah, God. I've never heard that's... of anything like that with a game show. Holy cow. Yeah. So I, um, I, yeah, I don't know uh, why that rule is, but that's, you know, what they had. That's what it was. Wow. And so I just, I'd written it off. Basically. I was like, well, I got to go do this. No one's ever going to see. Plus I can't tell anybody ever. Um, and I don't get any prize money at all so this was just a wash and and then they ended up like emailing me saying hey your show is going to be aired on november 17th i'm like wait are you serious and i was shocked i i called dan i was like my show is gonna air and that's all i had to say he's like no way holy crap he's like i can't believe it it's been almost a year like i didn't even have to say barely two words and he knew what i was talking about <laughs> it was so and awesome go ahead go ahead Thank you. Oh, no, that, that was it. It was just um, I was filming while it was airing. Um, I was in Globe filming for uh, the, like 10, 10 days or so. The first part of the case of Acacia Thatcher. And uh, I was telling everybody, my show's on TV tonight, guys. Like I'm on I'm on like national TV making a fool of myself. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is too so funny. It was, it was great. <laughs> Yeah, so you see, even though you filmed it a year ago, I am why you won the prize money. <laughs> I, I willed it because I was watching your episode as soon as you told me about it, and it was available. I pulled it up on my Paramount Plus, and I was watching it. And it was so awesome because you were the first contestant in that episode. Yes. And so I was watching it, and you picked your big gold coin, and he yep. kept trying to tease you. With, he tried to tease you with other prizes. Yes. And you kept passing and you kept passing. And then the last one that you passed on was the $25,000. And when they revealed that, the look yep. on your face, I could tell your heart just dropped. Oh, I nearly started to cry. I know. I could tell. I could tell. And I was, I was sitting there watching that. And I'm like, Ellie, when you open your coin, the 25000 will be there too. <laughs> and I didn't even know the show. I've never even watched Let's Make a Deal. But because of the fact that he said it can show up anytime during your segment and you still win it, I was I was just sitting there watching going, Ellie, your coin's going to say 25000 and you And he opened it and I was like, boom, there she goes. <laughs> so even though it was a year ago that you filmed it, I willed the money for you. <laughs> That's right. You willed it into existence. That's right. Thank you for doing that. I yep. it, I was so I was so happy for you though that when when I saw you did win because like I said I saw your heart sink when you missed the twenty five thousand behind that door or whatever it was, and I mm -hmm. was I saw the look on your face and I'm like oh Ellie please don't cry sweetie you'll be okay, 
And and he said you could still you still had to open your coin yet. And I'm like, she's gonna get the twin. It's gonna show up again in her coin. And boom, he opened it up, and there it was. I was like, sweet. I was like, it's so awesome. My That's friend a- just won twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> I know. Well, taxes. Oh, I know. Taxes you. kill you. Yeah. What do they? They take like fifty percent when you win on a game show. Yeah, and you're like, oh man. Well, you know, there's that cut in half. Yep. And so, but you know what? Oh well, it, it's still it's something I didn't have before. Exactly. And I, I was so extremely grateful for it. Like you know, no matter what. And and I was like when when he was done, like I was, when it was revealed, I again was like, okay, don't, don't cry now because you're so happy that it actually happened. And I know that I was choking up and I could barely like say, thank you. And then I think he had to even tell me, yeah, you can go sit out now. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cute. I love that part. Yeah. And actually you were lucky that you got a cash prize because of the tax issue, because uh, yeah. I could, sh- I could share this story with you years ago. I knew a a gentleman up in my home area, not in my town, but in one of the nearby towns up in Sarah, where my aunt and uncle live. He was a contestant on, I want to say it was the Price is Right, like eons ago, like back in the early to mid 80s. And he was like a huge winner on there. He won like a freaking really expensive vacation. He won like a hundred thousand dollar RV. He won a whole bunch of prizes and he only, and out of all of his prizes, I think he only won like $2,500 in cash. All the rest of it was prizes and he got whacked for taxes on all the prizes. So he ended, he ended up, taking out loans against his prizes or selling his prizes just to cover his stupid tax bill at the end of the year. When, when uncle Sam showed up with his hand out, wanting his cut. Yep. So it's like, you were, you were better off winning cash because you just got it. You can just, they just come and take their half and it's done. You know, if you, you didn't want a $500,000 prize, you'd have been like, uncle Sam would be like, yeah, we want our 250 grand. And you'd be like, what? Yes. Yeah. At that point you're like, um, no, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I know, I know I'd always heard that with game shows, they take like either 50% or darn close to that. Yeah. Um, it's insane. Yeah. Now some people have tried to tell me it's not that high, but it's like BS because I mean, how many times do you see with like the super lottery jackpot, you win like, you know, like the grand prize is 600 million. If you have the only winning ticket and you take the cash option, they take half, you lose half or over half of the money between the taxes and the cash option. Yeah. It's like, so I know the freaking taxes are stupid high on that. Now in that instance, you don't get blistered as high on the taxes. I think only because you win 600 million, but you take the cash option. So you only get 300 million. And I think you only get taxed on the 300 million. So you lose 150 where you're not losing 300 million. You're only losing 150 million <laughs> to the rent, to the tax man, but it's still a lot of money. Yeah. It's a ton. And, it, My and, and I've, I've heard they've changed it, but I don't know if it's true because believe it or not, inheritance tax used to be that bad too. So like yeah, if, if a family that. member died and left you like a hundred grand, the IRS took like 50% of it as an inheritance tax, which I think is ridiculous. That's insane. Yeah. I, I, somebody told me recently they supposedly revamped the law and now the inheritance tax, I think is only like 30%, but I'm like, it's your inheritance. They shouldn't be allowed to take any of it. 
Because yeah, no. I, w- I was actually shocked because in 2015, I got in a bad car accident in Atlanta. A construction truck hit me. And I ended up actually getting most of the money from my case, from my own insurance, because I, at the time I had, I've always used Geico for my car insurance, but at the time I also had an umbrella policy that covered up to a million dollars. And so it was a construction company truck that hit me, but in Georgia businesses, even big businesses like that are only required to have a hundred thousand dollars in fleet vehicle insurance, where in my home state of Pennsylvania, they have to have at least a million. And, um, and the fact that uh, the way the laws are in Georgia, my lawyer told me, he's like, he's like, we could take him to court and you'll probably get a multi-million dollar settlement awarded to you by the jury, but you'll never collect it because as soon as they lose the case, they'll declare bankruptcy, bankruptcy. and open, they'll open up under a new name a week later and you yep. can't, you can't do a thing about it. So I got the, the hundred thousand payout from their insurance. I got oh. 25,000 from the driver's personal policy. Cause that's all he had for his maximum coverage. And all the rest of what I got came from my own damn umbrella policy. And I was shocked. Yep. I was shocked to find out when I got that payout that I didn't have to pay taxes on it ever. I was like, really? Are you kidding me? There's actually a form of money you can get in this country that Uncle Sam doesn't take? <laughs> yep, or accidental or accidents and insurance payouts. Yeah, it's insane, right? Yeah, because I didn't know. I figured I figured I was going to lose half of it to Uncle Sam. Yeah, no. Of course, it's bad enough losing 33 or 35% of the year freaking attorney. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. And they are more than happy to take their own cut of that. Like, oh, tell me about it. Oh, it's like, do you, you have any idea how many times I've been emailed legitimate that I'm a plaintiff in a class action against somebody like Walmart or Amazon or Apple or something like that? Yeah, the the uh, the determined settlement, the arrangement with the court, it's, it's a $650 million settlement. You're going to get a portion of that. And it's like when you get your cut, it's like 20 bucks. I was going to say, you probably and got yet, $25. <laughs> and yet the law firm that handled the civil that civil case they made like a hundred million dollars off the case. So like out of 650 million, they pocketed two or $300 million and I got 20 bucks, even though I was the injured party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's so disgusting. Uh, I suppose I should probably wrap up with you girl. Cause we've been going for a couple of hours almost. It's <laughs> hour and 50 minutes right about now, but I love having you on and you haven't been on in so long. So I wanted to give you as much time as possible, but well, thank you again. I didn't want to tie you up too long. Cause I know your schedule is like hella crazy <laughs> between your well, acting I- and your YouTubing and your, your family life, your husband and kids and all that. <laughs> well, I'm definitely, I got to say, I'm starving right now. Um, I think I ate breakfast this morning. Oh, um, my goodness. But otherwise, I've been sitting at the computer um, writing like a, a pitch deck and working on YouTube videos. So it's just, I've been on the computer all day. <laughs> wow. Oh, speaking of YouTube, the one thing I was going to share with you before we get off, yeah. I just recently got me a professional YouTube video editor for really cheap because he's a professional editor in vietnam so oh, wow. you know american dollar wise he gives me a great deal because <laughs> to him oh, it's a lot of money cool. but yeah so i've actually i can actually afford to have somebody professionally edit my videos so my last two or three videos have been professionally edited so going forward my stuff will be a lot more polished like yours i just i've never had the ability to do that stuff myself i know 
I could go to like an online community college class or something for a year and learn how to do it. But I just, I don't have those skills. I've never been an artistic person. The closest. I've had to teach myself um, all of it. I use DaVinci Resolve on my computer for my long formats. And it's, there's a lot of information out there for it. It's a great program. And. Oh, it is. I have DaVinci Resolve. I have it and Final Cut both. And yeah. I, I love both of them. I'm just not really good at doing all the fancy crap, like making text follow an object across the screen or as you hold it up and put it down and uh, swishing in text on this corner of the screen and then out this. I can't do all that crap. I just, uh, I just, I've never been any good at that stuff. So it's like this guy it's hit time consuming. Yeah. And this guy hit me up and I'm like, what do you charge? And he's like, eh, 10 to 15 minute video, like, 20 25 bucks i'm like sold because <laughs> wow. i only do i only do one video a week anyway so i'm like heck that's 100 bucks a month i'll i'll pay that on my, out of my own pocket my channel ain't gonna make it back it takes me like six months to make a hundred dollars in google adsense revenue <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm at like 20 bucks right now and the last payout i got was like two or three months ago uh and it was a hundred bucks so but it's like well, yeah i'm like 20 25 bucks a week I'll carry that for a while because I, you know, I wanted to see because I know that has a lot of to do with YouTube success. And I'm like, okay, so let's see if over the next two or three months having my videos professionally edited and he's now even started doing professional thumbnails for me. I'm like, let's see if this makes my channel start getting some traction again. There you go. So I'm hoping. I don't know. I wish you luck. But it's like I I watch yours and then you tell me you edit yours yourself. And I'm like, oh. Oh, I love you, but at the same time, I hate you so much. Because, <laughs> like, your little intro clip, your B-roll clip with all your text and stuff and your Ellie uh-huh. Nose Rocks, I'm like, that looks so freaking good. I couldn't do that. Thank in, you. I couldn't do that in a billion years. I got to hire somebody to do that for me. Well, man, that <laughs> took me an entire day. Like, that, just that little, um, I think it's like 15 uh seconds or 20 seconds long my intro like that it it took a while but um thank you for saying something i appreciate it well and the trickiest part is because i've always wanted to have something like that for my channel and maybe i can work and and make something like that with my editor's help but the hardest part for me on that and it might be a little bit easier for you just because you get it you get to go out there so much um even though it's a lot of your time is for me the hardest part about doing a cool intro like that is it's like you gotta have some decent b-roll footage yeah and it's like i can never think of ideas for b-roll like i attempted to do like an intro video clip like that a montage of b-roll clips when i lived in georgia and i shot clips b-roll clips and i personally thought they were great i had my lighting perfect i had my camera angle perfect and, and then i watched them on my computer i'm like oh they suck and i threw them out <laughs> like oh my god i, I need some good b-roll that. footage so i could get an intro like you have because yours looks freaking amazing well, thank you. That's just come from clips from me filming filming my videos, and I just grab stuff going, oh, yeah, I remember I did this, so let's pull that in. You're such a show-off. And then, uh, <laughs> I'm not showing off. It took forever to do, but I'm still like, I think uh, my intro is still too long, but I don't know how to shorten it to make it have value, so I just... I think I've it's fine just it. the way it is. I've seen, pe- I've seen people with intros longer than yours that are hugely successful especially some of the photography and filmmaker channels some of theirs are like 30 40 seconds long 
Yeah. And they, you know, and they get away with it and they get millions of views on every video and all that stuff. But yeah, I should wrap up and let you get dinner, especially if you haven't eaten. So I was going to torture you and that I remembered again that you're vegan or vegetarian or whatever you want to call it. I was going to torture you and say, I had my own smoked brisket for dinner. And it was so good, but I can't torture you like that because you're like brisket. Who cares? I don't eat beef. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, well, I'm I'm so happy for you, but you're doing nothing for me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, let me let me let you go so you can get some dinner and spend time with the family because I know with your crazy schedule, you probably don't get a ton of time with Dan and the kids. But (laughs) so you got to make every minute count. But we got to get you back on the show again before the 18 month mark, and remember. Remember my long-standing challenge to you, and all my listeners are going to hear it again. When she's an A-lister, I'm going to do a live broadcast of my show, and my listeners will find out, will she or will she not take his call? (laughs) Once she's famous in Hollywood, will she or will she not take his call? (laughs) Unless I don't have service for some reason, I will take your call. Oh, you're so sweet. (laughs) <laughs> all right ellie well as always it's been wonderful having you on here i know this channel is going to get tons of downloads because you always freaking do um just because you have a great personality and you talk about interesting stuff and you have an interesting life thank you liam i appreciate it absolutely hopefully maybe we can circle up uh towards the summer i don't want to tie up too much of your time during the course of the year but i do like to have you back because my listeners love it when you're on the show of course uh, i've been trying to get one of my old photography pers- professors back on my show jill Mott. she was on a couple of times back when i first started and her episodes were hugely popular because she was a former photojournalist for like the ap and all that stuff and wow. and her schedule's just been so crazy that i just had haven't been able to get her back on the show for like two and a half years now and oh my, my listeners are all bummed out because they love her they love her episodes because of all the stuff she talks about and her experiences and all that so you're my other big one i've got a few big big guests that i've got to get back on the show but you were the most important one because it's been 18 freaking months that's too long girl well let's circle but, back during the summer and we could go through an entire like story time sort of there thing. you go there you go but like i said i also don't i always feel bad reaching out to you because i'm like i know she's super no. busy i don't want her to think i'm hounding the piss out of her so it's, it's like bad. it's like i'll hit you up saying hey you need to come on the show again soon and you're like yeah yeah, yeah let's do it Let, let's check our schedules in a couple of weeks and then i just let it drop for like a couple of months because i'm like she's really busy she's probably actually getting sick of me asking her to come on the show no it's like like, i need that extra somebody to to remind me because i'll i'll get a ton of messages or i'll get stuff and it happens and if i don't write it down or if i don't plan it in the moment it's like i know i forgot to do something i'm not exactly (laughs) sure what it was and then i'll get a message go oh yeah that's what it was but no you you have no i never feel like you're blowing me off it's just i'm like i see how busy you are just with your youtube channel and i'm like yeah she probably just doesn't have time i'm I'm not gonna keep pestering her because she is so (laughs) slammed so well i appreciate that um i've actually been doing i'm a co-host on a podcast at the moment oh cool um and the episodes are going to start airing on January 31st of this year. Uh, this is the third season this has been on. I'm a new co-host. And the podcast is called No Earthly Explanation. And it, it's literally like just things that can't be explained that people talk about. And so, Oh, that's cool. 
um, some of it's scientific, some of it is not, some of it is just very interesting. And so, you know, that's exciting. I'm excited to see how that goes. I, I don't know how great I am at, at doing the podcast thing on the other end of it. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, girl. You can say it. Some of it's science, some of it's X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's got to be with that title. It's got to be some X-Files stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Some of it's like. Are you serious? You'll, you'll have to listen to one and let me know what you think. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. I'll be looking forward to that. All right. Well, let me let you go, sweetie. Uh, let you get some dinner, your your Thanks. fish or your salad or whatever you're going to have. Have something that'll fill your little tummy because you haven't eaten all day. <laughs> and then spend some time with that awesome hubby of yours. I will. And tell, tell him, tell him I said hello. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All righty. I'll talk to you later, Ellie. Thanks again for coming on the show. All right. Bye, sweetie. Bye. All right, so that is going to wrap up episode 387 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also, be sure to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, turn on all notifications so you don't miss any of my videos. And as I mentioned when I was talking to Ellie a few minutes ago, I do have a professional editor now, so my video quality is getting much better. Also, you've got to stop by all of Ellie's links, which you'll have in the show notes to her YouTube, Ellie Knows Rocks. you got to get over there, subscribe to her channel, give her some love. She puts out awesome videos. She'll hit you with the science and her awesome personality at the same time. So give her some love, subscribe, turn on all notifications to her channel, and also make sure you follow her on all the socials. You'll find all of those in the show notes for today's episode. And I will see you all again next Thursday.